welcome to Legally Uncensored. I am your host, Demetria Graves. I am a family law certified specialist in the Southern California area. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today, I am so excited because we have such a special guest covering such a special topic. And so I am happy, Ellen, that you are here. I'm happy that you said yes, and you said it pretty quickly. So thank you for that. My pleasure. So before we get started, Ellen, who are you? Well, I'm an independent filmmaker in San Francisco who um, I'm also a child of a divorce and I'm also a mother who's divorced with who divorced when we had two small children. And so I sort of come at this issue from the perspective of a child and the perspective of a parent. That is fantastic. And I think I got so excited. I didn't even introduce the show. So Ellen did a very, very important documentary called Split. And it is a breakdown, well, a look into what happens to children when their parents divorce and kind of gives, well, does give a very good perspective on how they feel, what they go through. And I think a lot of that is missed when parents are dealing with their own emotions, everyone is reorganizing their lives. And I don't think children sometimes have the proper platform to express how they feel or even know how they feel. So this is such an important work. And so before we really get into it, Ellen, can you tell us how you came up with the idea to do split? Well, it's exactly what you're saying. I think that parents are so preoccupied with their own drama and their own hurt and anger and confusion and fears when they're separating. Um, and of course, they want this to have as little impact on their cho- children as possible. But oftentimes, what that really uh, that really becomes, you know, uh, how you doing, Johnny? You doing okay? And Johnny will say, Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay because. Johnny's pretty aware that mom and dad are really stressed out. And, you know, no matter how how old Johnny is, kids are really brilliant at monitoring where their parents are and taking care of their parents oftentimes. And so even with the best intentions and even with the effort to start conversations with these kids, um, parents aren't always going to get the straight (laughs) story. Right. And, um, you know, there's a little bit of a conspiracy of silence going on where, you know, the kids are trying not to cause waves in the midst of the midst of the chaos and and the parents are at the end of their rope, their emotional bandwidth. And so, you know, it's a very fragile situation. So I made this film because when I was a kid and my parents got divorced, I lived in a small town where no one was divorced. And there were four of us, four kids. And with all the best intentions, my parents and all of their friends thought the best thing to do was just not mention it to the kids. Don't remind Mm. the kids. Mm -hmm. And so there was no platform for talking about this. There was no way for us to ask questions or to really understand the changes that were about to happen. And when kids don't have the opportunity to speak their concerns and speak their fears, they sort of become the monsters under the bed, really, you know, right. Kids have really active imaginations. And so if they're not asking the questions, they're coming up with their own answers. And their own answers, oftentimes when any of us have fear, what we're doing is we're imagining the absolute worst case scenario and living in it. 
when you have the opportunity to talk about something or express your concerns or your fears, then it's a real opportunity for a reality check, you know? And so, for example, a kid may be thinking, I'm never going to see grandma again. Right. And if a child says, I'm really afraid I'm not going to see grandma again, you know, that's a very easy answer. That's a very easy Mm -hmm. fix for a parent. But if the platform, as you say, is not given to the children, then they're not allowed to express their concerns and they're not allowed to bring those concerns down to some reality. Granted, Mm -hmm. we don't always know what the answers are to these questions. So, so that's sort of a long way of saying the reason I made the film is because when I was a kid, there was no opportunity for that with the best of intentions. Parents thought just don't remind the kids of what's going on. 30 years later, when my kid's dad and I were separating 30 years later, I realized, you know, it's interesting. The culture around divorce has changed quite a bit, but there's still this taboo Mm -hmm. and there's still this, um, the monsters are still under the beds of our kids. And so this, this film was an effort to show kids that, look, here's 12 kids, six to 12 years old that are speaking their truths. Mm -hmm. Some of it's hard, some of it's funny, some of it's unexpected benefits, but they're kids that were given the platform that are speaking their truth as a way to encourage other kids to speak up. How were you able to encourage the children to be open and really speak how they feel? Because to your point, sometimes kids will say, oh, I'm fine, but they're not. So how did you really inspire the children to open up and share what they were truly feeling? Well, it was really helpful that I was not their parent. Okay, right. So that was a game changer, right? <laughs> Um, and, but most importantly, I think I I approached this as a collaboration with these kids. And I said, look, you kids, you've learned a lot. You've experienced a lot. What would you say to kids that are just starting out? Mm -hmm. What do you think is important, Mm -hmm. you know, to talk about And by giving the kids sort of an open field rather than going in with very specific questions and directing them, Mm -hmm. basically saying, okay, you've learned a lot in this process and here you are coming out the other end. And, you know, we want to make a film that's going to be helpful to other kids. So what do you want to talk about? Mm -hmm. And very organically, each kid had a particular story. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, for one kid, it could be that their parents are continuing to fight and that made it incredibly difficult. And they want to encourage parents to stop fighting for another kid. Um, you know, his parents are already in some blended kind of, you know, everybody's at the dinner table kind of a situation. And so he's speaking from that perspective. And so, um, you know, kids come forth with their own stories. And the same is true when we talk to our kids. If we give kids sort of an open-ended opportunity to have a conversation or to say, what's going on for you? Or is there anything you're afraid of? Mm-hmm. Um they're going to step in. Believe me, kids have <laughs> kids are, are, are not shy when given the platform, when given the right. opportunity. Right. What if there's a parent that doesn't know, right, how to approach their children, how to deal with that on top of everything else that they're dealing with? Is there an approach for a parent to say, hey, I really want to know how you're feeling without the children feeling overwhelmed? Because children can feel the tension. And I think a lot of times we uh, don't think they can, but they do. So what is it? Of course they do. Kids are so tuned into us as parents. Right, 
I it's kind of really, scary, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And they don't miss a trick, despite right. what we think sometimes. You know, they are paying attention. Right. And, and they get it. So what's interesting is sometimes that direct, direct conversation is, is a little too, uh, difficult for both a parent and the child going right to the, the, the heart of the matter, so to right. speak. Mm-hmm. So what we found is that watching the film with the kids is a really good opportunity because all of a sudden the kids aren't talking about themselves. They're, they're talking about the kids in the film. And so, for example, and there's a comfortable degree of separation. Mm-hmm. Now, that's true for both encouraging the kids to talk. And that's also true in terms of getting the parents to open up their eyes and see what these universal truths are, right. often universal truths. So, for example, if you sit, it's a half hour film, you watch it with your kids and the kids are really into the film. You know, they really, Mm -hmm. they really Mm -hmm. focus all of a sudden somebody's talking about what's really important to them and they're giving it to them straight. Kids tell me, oh, I trust the kids in the film because they're not just talking about the good stuff. They're not telling me everything is going to be okay. They're giving it to me straight. They're saying, this is hard. Well, this is easy. This is really hard, but you get through it. And so if, if you can sit and watch the film with your kids, you don't have to say, okay, Johnny, how do you feel? You can say, what part did you really like in that film? And why did you like it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. remember when that girl talked about um, how she misses her dad when she doesn't see him? Is, it, is that something you ever feel? And so it gives a comfortable distance for the kids to open up about things that may be difficult to, to start to the conversation head on, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we also have this workbook that is for parents that basically gives parents the language to have mm-hmm. these conversations and it, it couldn't be easier. It's it, again, parents don't need to be creative or come up with this on their own. They can just sort of watch the film and then open this beautiful workbook and go through the kids and, and have the actual language for very simple um, prompts for conversations. I love that. We will definitely talk about how parents can get access to that but is it important for parents to watch it together, mom and dad and kid? Or what What do you recommend? Um, well, ideally, the best thing is for parents to watch it on their own first. Um, and because what happens when parents watch it is they understand that their kids are going through these same experiences. And it might be a little, um, it might make them a little emotional. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be sitting on the living room couch with your child watching this for the right. first time. And then, you know, the, the child has to, again, take care of the mom or the right. dad. Right. So right. the best thing to do is for the parents to do a quick watch so that they they know it and then just say, hey, I, I have this film. You want to sit down and watch it together. Kids love watching stuff, especially mm-hmm. stuff about kids and kids listen to other kids. That's a key component. Mm-hmm. Kids listen to other kids a lot more than they listen to adults in a lot of ways. There's this kind of uh, conspiracy of trust that happens with, with kids. So um, so I would recommend parents watching it first and then sitting down and, and encouraging the other parent to do that as well if the other parent is already in another household. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes something that a child can actually say, oh, I watched this cool film with dad. Can, can we watch it together too, you know, mm-hmm. or um, so oftentimes we encourage if the parents were already in two households, 
um, for them both to have that experience and that opportunity with their child mm-hmm. or children. Did you learn anything from the children that maybe you weren't expecting or you didn't know while recording um, the film? Well, you know, what I learned was how universal certain themes are. Mm-hmm. And though that sort of became the, the chapters in the film. You know, for example, kids want to know what happened. Kids, everybody <laughs> needs to tell the new story of the new life, right? Right. And, and kids need to tell a story. It's our impulse as human beings to create a narrative around something, to make sense of something, you know? Mm-hmm. And kids mm-hmm. feel that. And so... Um, that's one thing is they want to really understand what happened to make sense of it on a certain level. Mm -hmm. Kids universally are torn apart by their parents' conflict. That's no surprise, but it, those wounds go deep. Mm -hmm. Um, So much depends on how parents, the, the handle the separation and the way they frame the separation and the way they handle the situation, I believe, directly impacts the kind of experience their child is going to have. Right. In the best of all circumstances, it's a major game changer for a child. But that doesn't need to be a hellish game changer. Right. If parents step up to the plate, put their stuff aside and really say, what can we really do to make this as painless as possible for our kids? Right. It's going to be an adjustment. But, you know, you need to make more skillful choices in order for this to have less impact. And interestingly, the most Googled phrase that has the word divorce in it is the effect of divorce on children. So, of course, all parents are keenly concerned with how this is going to affect their kids, but they just need to quite literally get it together (laughs) and put their stuff aside. Right. You know, I don't care if they're faking it. Right. Do not fight in front of your children. Do not speak badly about the other parent in front of your child. Allow your your child to love both parents. Right. You know, it will tear a child apart to hear negative things about one parent or the other. It does not serve them at all. And something that was a big surprise for me in talking to all of these kids, as you know, you always hear kids always think divorce is their fault. And I thought, well, that doesn't quite make sense to me. How can that be true? Mm -hmm. I have got to say every single child in this film talked about how they felt or they wondered whether the divorce was their fault. Mm. And the reason is, is because our families are so child centered, everything is in relation to the child. Mm -hmm. And so when something bad happens, it's in relation to the child from a child's perspective. And, you know, maybe it was that the, um, they, they felt they sided with one parent or maybe they felt like they weren't doing well in school, or maybe they felt like, you know, they were getting in trouble too much and it caused stress and whatever it is, kids will come up with some reason why it was their fault. And so that's another thing I've got to say to parents is that the messages that children need to hear is this was not your fault. This is between Mm -hmm. us as adults. Another incredibly important thing is to not destroy the love that created that child. Mm -hmm. It is so important for kids to know that they came of love. Right. And so allow the kid to have a photo of both parents and the child in their room. You know, 
yeah, things went south in the relationship, but there was a time when things were good. And that time created this child, right? Honor that and allow your child to know that they came of love and to know that there was a time when, when his or her parents really loved each other. And that's what they were born into. Right. Otherwise children feel like they're, they really question whether their parents are happy they were born or not. Mm. They start to feel like a problem. They Mm -hmm. start to feel like the byproduct of a bad relationship rather than a child that was, that came into this world through loving parents in a loving family. And yes, that has changed. Right. Were there any challenges that came up that you didn't expect when, when creating the film? Well, you know, the deal I made with the kids is that we're in the parents is I want to have a conversation with these kids. Parents aren't allowed in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids and the parents have the right to look at the material before the film is finalized and see if in, um, and tell me what's not appropriate or things they don't want included. Um, but um there were a few times when kids um, talked about issues like addiction, um, mm-hmm. alcoholism that um, was really central to this to the to the problem, and um, and that wasn't included in the film um, just to to honor the parents' privacy. Right. Um, we we've now we're just literally in the last uh, month now of completing a sequel to the film. And so the same kids are talking about their experiences 10 years later. Interesting. And and it's really interesting to have them to to look back and say, okay, well, the the parents that are high conflict, and and this is a really important message Mm -hmm. for parents Mm -hmm. of those kids in the film who had very high conflict parents I can say all of them are really only communicating with one parent at this point. It became oh. so exhausting for kids to be the middle person and to try to be the peacemaker mm-hmm. after years and years of conflict that it, they just chose one side. Wow. And, and that's, you know, a, a right. really important thing for parents to hear. Right. The kids whose parents were, managing as hard as it could be to be civil to each other and right. to come together for birthday parties and, you know, graduations and family events. Um, those are the kids who have strong relationships with both parents. Right. And those are the kids who believe relationships are possible. Right. I was going to ask you that from the yeah. kids in the high conflict mm-hmm. situations that they have trouble forming relationships kind of what were their personal yep. lives like yep yeah they they well these kids are now late teens early uh, young adults and so right. they're at the beginning of, right. of right. that process and yes mm. they they all um said that they're they're um much slower to get into relationships and trust people um than their friends are whose parents weren't divorced mm-hmm. um and yeah they seem um uh, and, and again, this, this falls along the line of the higher conflict, the more difficult it is for these kids to imagine a reasonable relationship, right? Those kids whose parents are getting together and bringing new partners into the 
you know, high school graduation and everybody is, you know, kind of just moving forward with their lives. You know, those are the kids that may not necessarily believe that they're going to get married. I mean, mm-hmm. but those are kids that actually believe that mm-hmm. um, relationships are possible. Right. Because they're learning how to do it, even in the hard times. Right. You know, and so how we move through the separation becomes a blueprint for our kids. Absolutely. And that's something that divorce never goes away for a child or for a parent, for that Mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. You know, parents think, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to divorce this guy and then he'll be be out of my life. Oh, no, he won't. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) You're in each other's lives for the long run. Right. (laughs) Because you've got kids and someday you're going to have grandkids maybe. And you don't want to be playing that game. When your grandkid is born, well, right. you can't be in the same room as right. the mother of your kids. Right. You know, and so think long term about this, really, right. you know, and, and uh, because you're cutting yourself out of the family picture if you can't manage to get it together and find a new way to be in a relation to each other. Right. And it's hard at first, but, you know, it's not as hard as carrying that pain and that anger. You got to let that go. You got to drop the fight because that's going to eat you up as well as create problems for your kids. It's not just about the kids. It's about your opportunity for joy and moving forward and letting go of those negative feelings because that's going to eat you up. You think you think it's virtuous in some way. You can be Mm -hmm. self-righteous about it, but that stuff is not good for anybody. Right. Well, let's talk to the parent, Ellen, that that is their goal to align the kids with their side, be their emotional support during this process. Can you talk to that parent how that does not in the long run, how that really does not work for the children? Well, you know, I think as we all know, on some level, we mentioned this earlier, kids, kids are no fools. Right. All right. Right. And and kids get that neither parent is perfect, right? I mean, you know, there is this this moment of loss of innocence where you wake up and you realize, uh, oh, my God, everything my parents says is not right. Or, (laughs) you know, so so kids are not fools. Kids see what's happening. Kids see how people treat each other. They don't need to be told, you know, he's... um, they don't need to be told, oh, he's a jerk or she's this or he's that or no, no, no. Kids see their parents for, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, at some point in their development. Um, and so we don't need to fill our kids in on the other parents mm-hmm. because they should know. Kids know who their parents are. And you know mm-hmm. what? The good and the bad and the ugly, kids love their parents, whoever they are, however they are. And so, you know, speaking negatively of the other parent is, is really going to create a problem for you and your child. Um, You know, you're, you're putting constantly putting your child in a difficult and uncomfortable situation. That's very hurtful for them. And so, you know, It takes time sometimes, you know, I'm not suggesting that, you know, the, the, the Thanksgiving after a separation, everybody gets together with their new partners, you know, at grandma's house. Well, I mean, we got to be realistic, but, you know, start in small steps, making time to honor 
family traditions, Mm -hmm. you know, um, have the birthday party in a neutral place where both parents can feel comfortable. If you have to have a separate birthday celebration with just the parents and the children or the parents and the child, Mm -hmm. but do something. It is so important for kids to see their parents together being civil with each other after a separation. That may be very difficult in the context of a broader community or extended family, but just find a time, go to a, go to a park and have a picnic to celebrate your child's birthday. You know, if it's a graduation from high school, you know, there may be some big party somewhere, but again, if it's more comfortable to have a separate celebration so that that child can feel, it makes me want to cry to say this, both as Mm -hmm. a parent and a child of divorce how important it is Mm -hmm. for parents to make that effort Mm -hmm. and to put their differences aside to prove to their children how much they love them. They love their children so much that they're going to put their differences aside and be civil and kind to each other for an hour or two hours or three hours. That's all it takes. That is one of the greatest gifts you can give your child. And people need to understand that. I really love that, Ellen. I also see a lot because clearly I'm on the other side of this fence as I'm helping people reorganize their lives. But I've also seen step parents come in and encourage the division between parents. What can we say to step parents as we are trying to help parents better understand where children are coming from? Because that's what we ultimately care about. What do we say to step parents that foster the division, the animosity between the parents for their own? personal gain. I think step parents have to abide by a cardinal rule of never saying or insinuating anything negative about that child's mother or father. Mm-hmm. That's sacred ground. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the first step. It's step parents. And if they do say something negative about the child's other parent, I can assure you that's going to work against them. That mm-hmm. child won't say anything, but that mm-hmm. child's going to start holding a grudge. It's kind of like, you know, that thing, excuse my language, you know, mm-hmm. I can call my mother a bitch, but if you do watch out. Right, right. You know, <laughs> exactly. Same idea. Right, Different right. ground. Do right. not ever say anything negative about that child's other parent. And right. that is your way to, to for that child to begin to trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important for, step parents to give the space to the other parent and and these, even if it means um, at the beginning to step out of the situation where that child's being honored in a particular Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and defer to the parents of the child Mm -hmm. at the beginning, things could evolve so that everybody gets together in one, you know, relatively happy situation, but it could be at first the step parents need to just step back a little bit and trust that this is going to strengthen their relationship with their stepchild, right. you know, um, right. and it's it's a it's a um, it's a it's a tricky dance for step parents, but especially if the step parent was involved in the dissolution of the marriage, right? Yeah, and right. that's um, that's a particularly tricky dance, but, right? Yeah, maybe that's your your next film, step parents. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I have been thinking that these families, these 12 families have been so amazing and, you know, mm-hmm. they just run the gamut of how mm-hmm. they're doing it. And I just thought, well, maybe the next, the next thing is really sit down with those parents and talk to them. What worked for you? What didn't? Right. What was hard? You I know, think that because, would be great. 
to hear. Yeah. yeah. Because we need a blueprints as parents, right? Yes. You know, in our culture, mm-hmm. it's like, I can't tell you how often people thought they were supporting me by trashing mm-hmm. my kid's dad. Ah. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of feels good at first, right. you know, it right. kind of was like, yeah, okay, you mean I'm right. But right. it doesn't feel good. You know, right. and, and the fact is, you know, I, that's where we need to change the culture of divorce is learning that the way we can support families that are transitioning is to honor each one of them and to just resist this bad talk, you know, this, um, and, and know that it actually isn't supportive to trash the other parent. Um, yet that's what our culture seems to dictate. And this is where we need to start to start to sort of turn the ship. It's a big cultural tank we need to turn, but, you know, um, I think that's the, the that's really critical work that needs to happen in our culture because our families are transitioning constantly, as you right. know. And right. how can we do that in the least painful way for everybody to ensure the greatest happiness and joy moving forward for everyone? Right. I love that. I'm changing the culture of divorce. I try all the time, but as a divorce attorney, I sometimes feel I am alone in that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no small task. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings me to my next question, because a lot of times divorce attorneys, not all, but some divorce attorneys profit from the fight. Right. So the more some clients fight, the more yeah. some attorneys benefit. So right. I would love for you to talk to the attorneys about their impact because we're gone, right? We're, we're in and out. We finish it and yes. then we're on to the next case. Yeah. So, so can we talk a little bit about the damage they're doing to make a couple of extra dollars and what that does in the long run? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, um, that's that's a big question. And, uh, you know, people really need to wrestle with their conscious. This, uh, uh, around this because you know that is the sort of catch 22 you know litigation encouraging litigation um, versus mediation or some collaborative law or some settlement outside of the courts um, uh, is uh, something that um, I think a lot of attorneys or certainly some are wary to do I mean it's their bread and butter mm-hmm. I don't think there's any shortage of divorce cases. I don't think there's any shortage of cases that, that um, are going into the courts, but, um, you know, I, I don't know what to say about that. And I, I, you probably have more wisdom than I do about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, and how do you, um, it's like, it's like asking a bricklayer to convince somebody to make a house out of wood. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I've, I always tell my clients, it's always better if the two of you can come together and come up with a plan that works for your family, I don't know your family. The judges don't know your family. It's likely that you're going to have three or four different judges on your case. So I know you might not like that person so much right now, but I guarantee you in the long run, it's better. And I try to come from a place of let's at least try to work it out for the children. Everything else, if we need to litigate, that's fine. Do you really want your children in court, in front of a judge, in front of strangers they really don't know? Right. So sometimes that helps. I think my challenge is when I have someone on the other side that doesn't think that way, right? So they're making all these promises to the other side. And you know, in the state of California, custody is largely tied to how much you pay in support. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a whole nother layer that at some point we might need to consider. Cause I think if we took the financial aspect out of it, some of this stuff might actually go away. Yes, yes. Clearly, there need to be some changes within the system. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, at one point, uh, I remember somebody, when I was going through the process, somebody saying two things. They said, do not use your attorney as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Every time something hard happens, don't call your attorney and start crying to him or her. Right. Go to your therapist or go to your best friend because you're going to be spending a lot of money you know, going right. to an attorney for therapy. And the other is, is they said, do you, um, uh, do you want to pay your child's college tuition or do you want to pay your yep. attorney's <laughs> child's college tuition? <laughs> yep. And I think people have no idea of the cost of a, a protracted uh, right. a divorce case. Yeah. Especially and, high conflict. And yep. I will tell you, most of us attorneys aren't equipped to be therapists, right? Mm -hmm. So we just sit there and Mm -hmm. listen, but we are not equipped to provide the emotional support that most of our clients need. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And believe me, I've been there in terms of calling my lawyer and saying, but he, but, 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 um, what Mm -hmm. am I, you know, and they're like, you know, they listen to you while the clock's ticking. Right. While they charge you. Sure. (laughs) Exactly. Ellen, this has been so insightful for myself and just as a mother, I'm listening and very proud of you and your work and what you've done. So thank you for that. What are some tips as we wrap this up that you can give to parents that are thinking about divorce or in the divorce or already made the mistakes of, you know, talking about the other parent? What are some things you can impart on those parents as well, they move forward. I, you know, I think we, we teach our kids to say they're sorry, right? Yes. But sometimes mm-hmm. we forget to say that we're sorry to our kids. Mm-hmm. And our kids, it, it, it means a lot if, if you say something um, unkind about the other parent or you're so stressed out that you snap at your child because you're under the pressure of divorce or, you know, there's any number of things, slip ups that will happen. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a complicated minefield out there, right? I mean, life is right. And mm-hmm. n- nobody's perfect. It means the world to children. If you say, you know what, I, I, I said that about your dad, but I, I was just really upset. And, you know, you know how much I, I respect him. And, and I want you to know that, you know, mm-hmm. or I know it's hurtful for you. If I, I say that, I'm sorry, I'm going to try not to do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, I'm tired right now. And so I'm sorry, I was a little short, whatever the thing is, you know, it, it, it will um, ease the hurt for our children. And so I guess one of my big pieces of advice is don't be afraid to, acknowledge that you made a misstep and make amends with your kids. Mm-hmm. It, um, you know, make the effort to, you know, remind your child or don't be afraid. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's funny when people die, um, people are afraid to talk about the person who has passed and all of a sudden they go into this void and for family members. Now, why isn't anybody talking about uncle Joe? Right. Well, was always, right. You know, right. And, and it's fun to sit down at the table and say, remember when uncle Joe did that? Or, well, you know, the same thing is true of your marriage. You know, mm. it's, it means the world to a child to say, I remember when you were born and 
Poppy was so funny. He was so afraid to pick you up or hold you or, or tell a little story or again, remind the child that they come of love. Right. Um, and so I think that, and as stale as the words sound to continue to say your dad and I, or your mom and I really loved each other and now things have changed and we think we're all going to be happy. We still love each other in a different way now. Mm -hmm. Um, and we will always love you. Right. And you came of love. You were born of love. I, a, a gift, a golden gift to your child and to your children. Yeah. I love that. And I think most importantly is how can parents get their hand on this very important work of yours? Well, you can go to the website. The film is called Split. Simple enough, Split. And mm-hmm. the website is splitfilm.org. And so you can go there. You can stream the film. You can get a DVD. You can get the workbook. And soon um, we will have um, the the sequel, which is called Split Up the Teen Years. And um, that will be available on the website, too, for older kids. Awesome. And then you're going to do Split the Parent Edition. I can't wait to see that one. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for joining the uh, Legally Uncensored podcast. Again, I am your host, Demetria Graves, Certified Family Law Specialist. You can find me on all social media platforms at Legally Uncensored. And thank you so much for listening. (laughs) 